You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, Habs fans. Still have some feelings on the KK offer sheet? Well, we certainly do. We're going to cover that today. And Patrick Williams is back with us for another AHL hot stove. So stick around. We'll be back right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and I don't know about you, but the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now, DraftKings is giving all their new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Now, you just bet $1 on any football game this weekend, and you get $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure. I use it, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello, Habs fans. Welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone Montreal, episode 212, right here On the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media, we're a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network, so a little shout-out to them and to our sponsor, DraftKings. Don't forget to use that promo code THPN. We are glad you are here with us today, as I said at the top of the, at the very opening of the show. uh, I'm sure you've still got some thoughts on everything that's gone down with Jesperi Kotkaniemi, so we're going to, we're going to continue that conversation uh, and tell you how you can catch up on all of the latest reactions from the Rocket Sports team in terms of that. But before we get to all that, let me make some introductions. Uh, My name is Amy Johnson. I'm your host and the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And every week, I'm joined by none other than our editor-in-chief and our founder here at Rocket Sports, and that is the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you today? Great to see you today. It's very, very good. It's uh, 
Lots happening. Lots happening. <laughs> lots happening in hockey. Lots <laughs> happening. Lots happening in rocket with the rocket sports team. Um, you know, with the it's a busy season. It is the podcasts, the 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 uh, article posts. Uh, we've got applications streaming in. Uh, new people want to join the team. It's uh, it's a very busy time. It it definitely is. Uh, if if you're one of those who is interested in joining the Rocket Sports team for this upcoming hockey season, we're going to have uh, information for you at the end, on, end of the show uh, on how you can do that and get your application in with the yes, we've had we've had applications pouring in from people uh, either wanting to join the AHL report team or the All Habs hockey magazine team. Um, so Stay tuned for that. As I said, we're going to spend this first episode uh, going, uh, first segment, I should say, kind of um, catching you up on on where we are at with the Yesperi Kakanyemi mess since the last time we were here a week ago. Uh, and the bulk of that is going to be to talk about the press conferences that Mark Bergevin, Don Waddell, Yesperi Kakanyemi uh, all participated in this weekend, as well as new Montreal Canadiens forward Christian Dvorak. Um, then in the second segment, we've got an AHL hot stove. That's right. It's been two weeks, uh, since Patrick Williams joined us. And so he will be here today to, uh, to join us for another edition of the AHL hot stove. We've got a great topic for you this week, the viability of this upcoming AHL season. Uh, what does that mean? It's well, it's, you know, is the AHL going to be able to pull off this season, uh, coming back off of a really rocky one because of the pandemic? Uh, if they're going to be successful, what's that going to take? Uh, and how much is at stake for there to be a successful season this year? So it's going to be a really, really intriguing conversation. We don't want you to miss that in the second segment. And of course, as we said, uh, we'll fill you in on ways that you can apply if you'd like to join the team as well. So we've got a lot to cover today. And uh, we better get to it. We better get to it. So first and foremost, um, we know that you've probably been tuned in and locked into all of the drama surrounding this offer sheet that was uh, tendered on Yesperi Kakinyemi by the Carolina Hurricanes a little over a week ago. If you want to catch up or need to catch up or maybe missed some of our analysis here at Rocket Sports or Reaction, there's there's two great ways for you to do that um on the canadian first of all if you missed last week's episode of the press zone you want to be sure to to listen to that we kind of kicked things off with that and then over the weekend uh our sister podcast the canadians connection hosted by rick's hosted by rick um had two, not one, but two episodes. Uh, he and my friend Chris G hosted Canadians Connection, uh, episode one fifty three, on Saturday afternoon, and that took you through all the the all the things that happened during the week leading up to whether or not Bergevin was going to match the offer sheet or not. So you definitely want to catch that episode. They go into all of the details on everything, all the ins and outs and all of the what ifs and all of the what are the what's going to be the pros and cons and the fallout and and this, that and the other. That's all covered in episode 153 of the Canadians Connection. And then after it was announced that Bergevin would not match the offer sheet, and then it was announced that he was making a trade with Arizona for Christian Dvorak. Then uh, I sat down with Rick and got to co-host a special bonus episode of the Canadians Connection that came out on Sunday, and that was fully our reaction to what happened, uh, the decisions made by Bergevin and the Canadians, and and everything that went on. And it wasn't it certainly had people talking. Not, every, <laughs> For sure. not everyone loved. Uh, not every, 
everyone loved some opinions. It was, uh, they were, uh, the, the opinions were provocative and, and listen, <laughs> um, on social media, you'll find that there's, there's groupthink and, and you can, uh, jump into that groupthink and let everybody else do the thinking for you. And, uh, and you can have a fine life on social media. Yeah. Nobody will bother you. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll, <laughs> you'll get retweets and all those fun kinds of things. But if you have your own mind, if you have your own opinions, if you want to learn something, um, you might want to listen to the people that, that aren't just overzealous cheerleaders, uh, that, that actually do some analysis that speak to, uh, folks from around the league uh, and that are trying to provide you uh, honest, uh, realistic, objective information. And, and that's what we did. And, and because it didn't, <laughs> it didn't, uh, you know, fit in that stream uh, where God everybody else was going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my goodness, um, we got some reaction and that's okay. That's fine. We like it. You know, I mean, we're, I, we're not here to be agreeable. Uh, we're not here to be yes men. Um, we're here to provide objective and and we try our hardest to have unbiased analysis and opinions and and um, and we're not here to be uh, going the other way. We're not here to be contrary either. No. Uh, I know that there's some folks out there that that think that's a fun game is just to to be contrary. We're just. We're trying to be object, and and we do succeed in being objective, and right. we know that because the folks that we speak to, the NHL hockey people, the the scouting, uh, the scouts, the the assistant general manager, all those folks that we speak to, uh, they kind of inform that uh, those views that we have. Absolutely, they do. Um, so it's been a it's been a fun few days. You know, God forbid if you if you put a differing opinion out there on social media, boy, do they. Uh did the did the the best that social media has to offer really crawl out of the woodwork? My block button was um, fully active this week. And, and why why don't the mainstream folks do that? Why don't they do that? Why don't why don't they provide an objective opinion? Well, because then um, because you get hammered down hard we, by yes. the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> we saw that. We saw that in in uh, Jeff Molson's. Uh, press conference, uh, the pseudo press conference, I guess, yeah. uh, when he announced the measures about uh, Logan Mayu, that uh, those who who weren't all drinking the same Kool-Aid and may have questioned uh, something, even something like uh, Stu uh, Cowan, uh, questioning that they don't print out uh, uh, lineups <laughs> and game, rosters and game, game notes. Packs, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the He questioned that and uh, no, uh, you're, you're in... Invitation is withdrawn. A very select, handpicked group. Uh, the folks that uh, that are always agreeable and always put out positive stories about the Canadians were invited to that. Um, so because we're independent, we're we're not so um, worried about those kinds of things. We're just worried. We're just focused on getting to the truth. <laughs> That's right. So I highly invite you to listen to both of those episodes of the Canadians Connection from this weekend. That'll catch you caught up to. Um, Basically, Sunday afternoon, um, you know, everything happened on Saturday. We had gave you the reaction first thing Sunday morning. And then Sunday afternoon, uh, Kakanyemi and Waddell. I have to say, Rick, I really liked the approach from, the, from Carolina. And again, I'm going to just make the disclaimer. I'm going to say it in all capital letters loudly so that everyone in the back can hear. Just because... There are going to be things I say in this podcast that are complimentary of Carolina and maybe critical of Montreal or Bergevin. 
does not mean I'm just being negative, and it doesn't mean that I'm just a hater. I'm simply providing an opinion. So I'm just going to put that, I'm just going to qualify everything with that. But I really appreciated that Carolina came out for their press conference with Waddell and Kakenyemi together on the call. Um, it's not something you see all the time. And I, Rick, you even mentioned to me that there have been occasions where the Canadians have 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 done that. And and the most noteworthy one is is uh, after the uh, Mikhail Sergachev trade uh, to. Uh, Tampa Bay for Jonathan Drouin. There was Jonathan Drouin came in. There was uh, the big signing ceremony. They had a joint press conference. And it was, you know, it was uh, a, a love affair. Um, and it, it, that trade hasn't weathered well, but but it was it was um, that kind of press conference and where where the player and the general manager um, speak together to, to media. That's right. And so that's what, um, that's what, Carolina opted to do. They they met with the media with Kot Kenyemi, and it just it was a nice show of support for KK. It was a nice um, way for the two of them to just kind of get to to address the media together. And Rick, you know, it was um, I have to say, Kot Kenyemi handled himself very well. He was pressed a number of times, of course, about how he felt his development had gone in Montreal, and it seemed at first that he was a bit um, reluctant to really go down that path. Um, and when he was when he was pushed enough, he finally did make mention of, you know, uh, it could have been better is essentially the worst that he had to say. It, it could have been better. Um, he was he was professional. He didn't want to disparage his former team. And, and he was very gracious with his praise and compliments and thanks to the Montreal Canadiens organization, Mark Bergevin, the coaching staff, the trainers, the fans, his teammates uh, upon leaving. Um, his social media post was uh, the Instagram post. He, he talked about how hard it was to say goodbye to, to Montreal. Uh, he had the best years of his life um, with the Montreal Canadiens, one of the world's greatest hockey cities, um, that he'll cherish that time. Uh, the, the teammates that, uh, that were hard to, to say goodbye to, mm-hmm. um, that uh, he had a great journey and, and a great run uh, with Montreal. He was very, very complimentary and, and appreciative of, uh, of the, the opportunity that he had been given. And that's exactly, you know, I was I was proud of him for a young man. Again, he's only 21. For a young man of his age to to have the professionalism and the and the the good manners, um, you know, however he really feels inside about his development or how he was handled or any dis, you know coaching decisions, however he really feels about it, he didn't show that outwardly. Um, he he took the high road and just was ready to. Um, talk about being excited about joining Carolina, where, uh, Rick, I think the, the the other notable thing that came out of Jesperi Kakanyemi's presser was just he seemed to be very excited to be joining an organization that was really excited about him. Right. He said that, um, uh, first of all, that, that Carolina is a great team. They are going to be a Stanley Cup con- contender. And, um, you know, from um, what the analysts say, and you look at the betting lines, you look at, at every measure, uh, Carolina is going to be a, a strong team and, and uh, uh, probably got dispatched a little too early this past season by Tampa. But um, 
and and the Canadians um, with an 18th place regular season finish last year. Um, are they as good? Um, a little bit better, a little bit worse. Um, there are questions about whether they are indeed even a playoff team. So he seemed happy to be uh, part of a Stanley Cup contender. Um, and, you know, he talked about um, that, that this is an organization uh, who not only wanted him, but have, have shown confidence in him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, from the very first second when he got the offer sheet and the way uh, the conversations went and the, the way they expressed themselves, they showed confidence in him. The, the, the unsaid portion of that, of course, is that he didn't feel, it was obvious he didn't feel the same, uh, that he was getting the same confidence from the Montreal Canadiens. You heard that when Dominic Ducharme spoke about him, when Claude Julien spoke with him, and most recently when um, uh, Mark Bergevin spoke with him at the end of, of the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, when Mark Bergevin was asked about the, the second-line center spot, and he said, um, you know, as a last resort, we'll, we'll put Kakinemi there but it's something that I worry about every day. Uh, not really a, a huge vote of confidence for um, uh, their their young, promising center. Not at all. And that's the there's a stark difference between the Kakanyemi Waddell press conference and Mark Bergevin's press conference uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, it, you know, in case disrupting all of our Saturdays all day long. <laughs> On Saturday, waiting for the decision, Bergevin decided, oh, well, let's just take Labor Day Monday afternoon uh, and held his press conference uh, yesterday by himself. Uh, Christian Dvorak met with the media not long after after Bergevin was done. Stark differences in the tone, stark differences in the kinds of responses we heard. Uh, whereas I just mentioned Jesperi Kakanyemi uh, was complimentary, was thankful, um, didn't want to disparage, didn't seemingly want to disparage his former team or coaches or, or management, um, and and kind of, as I said, took the high road and acted professionally. And I'm not saying that Mark Bergevin wasn't professional in his responses, but um, certainly seemed to do everything that he could to blame Kotkaniemi, to blame Kotkaniemi for what had happened. Seemingly right from from the start, um, uh, right off the bat with this with this press conference. I mean, Bergevin had a very serious tone, um, and and from the get go, um, he really. I I think the thing that surprised me, and and of course I got hammered for this opinion on Twitter because you know nuance is dead. Um, what really surprised me is not once in this press conference did Mark Bergevin, even even if he is ticked off beyond belief that this happened, even if he is begrudging KK for signing the offer sheet, uh, even if he's feel if his ego is bruised and he's feeling embarrassed and and outplayed yet again, whatever he's feeling, I truly expected the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens to at least be able to spit out the words, we thank Jesperi Kakinemi for the time that he spent in Montreal. He's a third overall draft pick, 
and a top prospect in your organization who showed growth, who had fantastic playoff performances for the last two seasons. Um, and and not a single you don't I mean, it'd be it would have been, been nice if he had even given him a compliment or two here and there or we're sorry to see him go or he'll be missed. Or any, but not even a simple we thank you, Sperry Kakanyemi, and wish him wish him well. Um, I thought that was very telling. And uh, Rick, there was just, as I said, stark contrasts and a lot of uh, blame being thrown around, which in a second, I know you you want to add something here. Uh, and then in a second, we're going to get some to some audio t- to to illustrate exactly where Bergevin was throwing the blame game around. It's uh, unfortunately, it's a pattern uh, that that Bergevin goes out of his way to trash a player, um, even a, a very valuable player, um, on his on their way out of the organization or after they've left. And it's happened with with greats like Andre Markov and and uh, Radulov and Pacioretty and Sherback. And um, he he goes and and it's odd. It's really odd because um, it's it's not common amongst other general managers. Um, we're going to get to to uh, Christian Dvorak uh, later, but just in comparison, you had Kakinami leaving the Canadians, and and uh, Mark Bergevin couldn't find a, a compliment. Uh, yet you had uh, Bill Armstrong from Arizona talking about Christian Dvorak and uh, saying Christian had a lot of value for our organization. Um, he was uh, a classy person on and off the ice. Uh, especially the way he handled uh, the news. Um, He handled everything with class. We wish him the best. He's given everything to us. Um, He's uh, first on the ice and last off. He really helped this organization grow. Um, And I know there's folks out there that are going to say, well, that's because Christian Dvorak is a much better player than Jesper Kokanemi. Well, stop it. I mean, don't be, uh, don't be silly. Um, Bill Armstrong has found all the positive attributes and presented them so that uh, the, and, and partly because the team that 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 he traded with, uh, maybe he'd want to do another trade at some point. He didn't go out and say, uh, I fleeced Bergevin. Um, it's clear that uh, w- one thing we learned Yes, there was other teams interested in Christian Dvorak, but Mark Bergevin was the only one who would pay a first-round pick. Hmm. The only one. That that was confirmed by Bill Armstrong. But back to Kotkaniemi. Um, not being able to, to uh, be complimentary to him um, is, is, is not classy on, on the, the, the part of the general manager. Uh, and... Th- during the the press conference, he was saying, uh, someone said, um, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, um, essentially, uh, so are you saying that um, uh, Kotkaniemi was a bust um, and, and, and not worth a third round pick? And uh, Mark Bergevin said, I don't know. We, we weren't finished our evaluation of him. This offer sheet kind of terminated uh, before we wanted to our evaluation of him. But he must be worth something because there's a team out there with, that willing to throw six point one million dollars at him, and that I thought was just it, it was uh, dumb as dumb gets, uh, and speaks and, and and was was aimed directly at the 
the the low information uh, Habs fans out there because uh, you know he he said right up the up front would we have, have loved to keep uh, Jesper Kotkaniemi of course but not at six point one million dollars. No one is saying that Jesperi Kotkaniemi is worth $6.1 million right now, today. Um, but it's, it's a misunderstanding or a mispresentation of, uh, misrepresentation of, of the way offer sheets work. Um, the, the Carolina Hurricanes, in order to obtain uh, a restricted free agent, had to pay his salary, what he's worth, whatever that is, $3 million dollars, million, whatever that is, plus an acquisition cost, because otherwise they wouldn't have been successful in their offer sheet. Mark Bergevin knows all about that. He didn't pay enough. He didn't pay enough of that acquisition cost to get Sebastian Ajo. And on the other hand, Mark Bergevin, in defending uh, his asset, needed to pay not the salary, not what Kakinemi's worth, but a recovery fee, a, f- a fee to fend off that that uh, uh, hostile offer. And, and that fee is on Mark Bergevin, whatever that number is, because he didn't do a good enough job signing his restricted free agent um, that... We heard Kakinami say that negotiations, uh, yeah, they went on forever, but there was very little communication between the two parties. Very little from the Canadians uh, on re-signing Kakinami. Um, so that's on Mark Bergevin. And I, I know people say, uh, we've, we've seen the comments, well, uh, how did he know that uh, you know someone would swoop in and, and uh, take his uh, restrictive free agent? Well, uh, other GMs are able to protect their restricted free agents. How do we know that? Because there, there have been um, just 39 offer sheets, and what is it, 14 have been successful over the last 40 years? Um, they don't happen very often. They're very rare, because usually uh, it's teams that are very protective of a very valuable asset, a young prospect, and they do everything they can to make sure that that, that asset is, is, uh, fostered, is developed and, and is, is protected from these kind of predatory teams. So, as we said, uh, you know, Bergevin kicked off this press conference um, and and it was clear from the get-go that the responsibility for this offer sheet being tendered and as as he probably feels the, uh, the end result of him not really having any other choice but to not match it and let Kakinyemi go, it was clear from the beginning that he was going to lay the responsibility for all of that at uh, anyone's feet other than his own and the organization's. Uh, it took, took almost zero responsibility in this press conference. And we're going to start with a piece of audio, uh, which I've, this, this, this is the first answer he gave in this, in this press conference, which set the tone for it and, and I think tells an awful lot. You know, we, we give the same tools to every player in our organization to, to reach their full potential. Uh, some do, some don't, some take longer than others. Uh, and the best way to be able to uh, to reach that point, I think, is assessing his own games. And sometimes players are, are a little more, uh, not all of them, but some are, they don't quite assess their game the right way or, or the way it, they're really playing. And then that caused, you know, you know, different uh, 
perspective of how the players plays, but yeah. So yeah, we give them all the same tools, and, and and it's here you go, sink or swim. There's a couple of things in there. First, not our responsibility. It's it's the players. Um, if they don't uh, accurately assess their own play, then it's not our fault. Um, but that's. Um, I mean, young players coming into the league, particularly those who are rushed into the league before they're ready, um, there's going to be, and, and, and in a new environment, in a new country, um, new languages, uh, uh, new ice surfaces, uh, there's going to be real highs and lows. And um, it was interesting because we were, we were uh, going over for our Flyers coverage, uh, some comments from uh, Mike, um, Mike O'Donnell. Um, and uh, he had said, uh, from the Flyers, and, and he had said uh, that, that there are going to be gaps in their confidence. And sometimes uh, if they're getting a little too cocky, you have to guide them. And, and maybe they have a, an unrealistic view, like uh, Mark Bergevin says, uh, about their performance. Um, and there's going to be times when they're really down on themselves and uh, their confidence is low and, and we need to, to boost them. And there's ways of doing that, constant communication with younger players. Um, but one thing I, well, there's a couple of things I know. First of all, uh, that isn't done from a podium in a press box no. uh, or a press conference. Um, you, don't, you don't bash players. You don't talk about uh, their, their, their faults and weaknesses from a podium. And the Canadians are both the general manager and whoever the head coach is uh, have done that uh, far too, too often uh, to multiple prospects. The other thing is that um, I don't think that you you necessarily deal with all prospects in the same way. Uh, Mark Bergevin saying that that um, they give the same tool uh, tool set to to uh, every prospect. Well, number one, I mean they're coming they're coming from all different backgrounds, all different experiences, all different hockey communities. Um, uh, Anything that you've you've read about coaching is that that players need to be tra- treated as individuals. So um, maybe they don't need the same approach. Uh, maybe the same approach isn't working. And and maybe uh, with so many uh, prospects not making that transition to the NHL for the Montreal Canadiens, maybe whatever's in that tool set that they're doling out to to every prospect, especially those first round prospects, maybe it isn't working. Maybe it's not the right set of tools. It, it really seems like it's not. Um, and I thought I thought the fact that that was that he led with this answer, that this was the first thing out of his mouth was very telling. It, it's it's don't look at me. This whole mess is KK's fault, whether it's if he's and, and he kept going back to, well, KK would be the best one to answer that question for you. Well, no, uh, yes, Kakanyemi can give you half of the story. The other half of the story has to come from the team that was tasked with developing him. And if if that team isn't going to accept any responsibility for yet another failure in developing a a top prospect in the organization, then there's got to be accountability somewhere. The only time that he's took even the smallest, remotest modicum of any kind of responsibility was when Arpin Basu asked him to talk about whether or not he regretted not sending him back to Finland in his rookie year. Um, and he's, he, he began to respond to Arpin 
when we have a piece of audio here in just a second, he began responding, uh, yes, yes, that was a learning lesson. That was a lesson learned. Uh, I, I'm, I, I do make mistakes. I'm only human or something like that. But it, he didn't go very far down the, yes, yes, I made a mistake there before he did a 180 and said, but there's a lot of other stuff that I think was wrong too. Take a listen. You know, I remember he had a great camp, uh, good first half. I remember he was playing very well. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's, he is ready. But then now, now I'm looking back, you know, four, three years, four later. Yeah, the way it happens. But also there's things that I saw in the last two years that I don't think that would have changed even. It could have to a degree, but there's other stuff that I know uh, it's more than just going back to Finland. So it's, but to your, to your answer, yes, uh, it's something that we'll uh, watch closely moving forward. Yeah, he says that um, uh, it, going back to Finland, which we advocated um, mm -hmm. rather than being thrown in early into to the NHL, um, it it, um, it it might have you know we we might have done things differently and done that, but it it wouldn't have helped. Um, it, it there's more to the story. There's more to the issues. Then you know is yeah. is basically what uh, what he said to Arpin, um, and and yes, earlier he had said uh, that that uh, he make he doesn't always make the right decision, um, and that he was uh, seduced by the fact that uh, uh, Kakinami he always says let the the uh, players make the decisions for him. Um, that that uh, Kakinami had a great camp um, and a good first half, uh, but then tailed off. Well, uh, that says <laughs> something about the lack of support that uh, Kakinami got, uh, the lack of, of coaching, the lack of mentoring, uh, the lack of guidance. Um, and we know that uh, Kakinami said that, that Julian rarely talked to him uh, in that first year um, and beyond. Um and and every prospect has peaks and valleys. So for if he sure. tailed off in the second half of the year, okay, there's the first valley for this young prospect in his rookie season. Get in there, development folks. Find out what's going on. Fix, Help him fix the problem. Boost his confidence. Put him in situations to create. I mean, it's. I, I thought it was a lousy excuse. I really I really did. For sure. I mean, <laughs> here's Kakinyemi who hasn't played an 82-game season before. Um, and and uh, it, it gets into one of those valleys, and uh, and it's it's it was Claude Julian that said, "Ah, he's tired." Yeah, like uh, that's that's an awful thing to say. And then it was left to Kakinyemi uh, that reporters rushed to Kakinyemi saying, "Are you tired?" He's like, "No," and he said, "No." <laughs> um, it, it's 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 poor asset management, absolutely along the way, particularly. Um, as, as we're going to repeat, uh, over and over again, a third overall pick, um, these are the picks that are, are franchise changing. Mm -hmm. These are the picks that you need to, to rely on for a decade or more, uh, in your organization. And in fact, uh, that was, uh, you know, a, a year ago, uh, after the bubble, um, uh, playoffs when Kakinyemi had looked so good. 
And uh, it seems as as though that was when um, Mark Bergevin had made his decision that uh, Deneau was expendable because he talked about uh, Kokinemi and Suzuki being the number, uh, being the, the the top two centers for the team, and that they were going to do that for ten or fifteen years. And and he was set his focus on building the rest of the team around those two uh, franchise players. So. Um we're going to leave the, the Kakanyemi portion of the press conference there for right now. I know that you and Chris G on this Saturday's episode of the Canadians Connection will will have even more audio um, in regards to the Kakanyemi portion of the press conference and 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 go even deeper into the things Mark Bergevin said. But I'm just going to quickly switch gears uh, here uh, and talk about Christian Dvorak. Um, you know, you mentioned how Bill Armstrong had these glowing comments uh, about Christian Dvorak and uh, couldn't be, seemingly couldn't be happier for him, wished him well and so forth. So when Mark Bergevin was asked, uh, okay, so what are we getting in, in Christian Dvorak? Here's what Bergevin had to say. Well, he's a responsible toy center. Uh, he's not going to be the player that uh, is going to wow you, but his detail to the game is very good. He plays a honest game. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we have different, uh, he'll have different wingers than, in, than he had in, in Phoenix, in Arizona. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona is, are in different stage than the Montreal Canadian are. So I think, and he's signed, he's got a good cap number for us. And he's a natural center. Uh, there's a lot to like about Christian Dvorak. There's a, a, apparently a lot to like about Christian Dvorak. Mark Bergevin just couldn't find the words to... Couldn't to, think of any of them. No. Uh, he's, he's got a great cap number. Uh, he's signed. <laughs> he's, he's signed. Signed. And he's got a good cap number. Yeah. Um, he's, he's responsible. He's not going to wow you. Um, he plays an honest game. Um, listen, uh, there... <laughs> Uh, I could make a better case for Christian Dvorak. Uh, Christian Dvorak is a solid, uh, hardworking, smart uh, uh, center who is is would would be a, a perfect uh, third line center for a Stanley Cup contending team. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, no question. Um, now I know that that Mark Bergevin is making the same kind of case that he probably saw on social media that. Uh, listen, Arizona—they're a nothing team. Uh, they're a bottom of the barrel team. So you know who was he playing in Arizona with anyway? <laughs> Not anybody good. So so he'll he'll play with much better players uh-huh. in um, Montreal. Except when you actually look at it, um, and and Christian Dvorak had his most success. Uh, when he was playing with Taylor Hall and Connor Garland. Now, the Canadians have a Connor Garland. They don't have a Taylor Hall. No. Um, and, and, and so he's, I don't think, um, you know, you, you see folks talking about, uh, oh, the, the Canadians, because of their lineup, are going to unlock the offensive uh, powerhouse of, of Christian Dvorak uh, because uh, he didn't get that in in uh, in Arizona. Well, he played with a couple of pretty good players in um, in Arizona, and and they they reach back to his junior hockey career when he you know his points were off the chart when he was playing with Mitch Marner and uh, Matthew Kachuk. It's it's you know I'm just I thought it was stunning that. It, 
Apparently, Mark Bergevin was just in a mind, a frame of mind that he couldn't find a whole lot of nice things to say about anybody in this press conference. I mean, it was wasn't exactly the most rousing uh, welcome aboard for Christian Dvorak. But when Christian Dvorak was then asked, well, can you please tell us what you bring to the ice? Uh, he had a little more of a, a more detailed and enthusiastic response about who he is as a hockey player. Um, I still think I got uh, more to prove offensively. I think I could score more and uh, make more plays as well. Um, and then uh, part of my game, too, is be a two, two-way center. So I want to make sure I'm uh, improving defensively as well, um, winning face-offs, and uh, yeah, just be a guy that can play in all situations. And on top of that, he then also talked about what his goals are for this coming uh, season. Um I think every goal I set for myself every single year is to improve as a player. So, um, yeah, I think that that's going to be my, my goal again this upcoming season. And uh, ultimately, I'm just excited to be on a team that, that wants to win right now. And, um, yeah, obviously, they made a great run last year. So, hopefully, I could uh, help improve their team a little bit and, and, and help them win. When you compare Christian Dvorak to um... – uh, someone like uh, Deneau, Phil Deneau, um, you got to say that he's certainly an upgrade uh, with respect to the offense. Uh, he has power play um, experience where he was uh, successful both um, for a while. He was he had a front of the net kind of position where he was successful at it and then moved uh, to the bumper position, which is uh, something that the Canadians definitely could use on their power play. Um, he's, he's, uh, uh, he can, uh, you know, block shots. He can, he can be on your penalty kill as well. He can be a defensive specialist and all those are certainly valuable, uh, characteristics, attributes to have, uh, on your team. Um, when you, when, when you look at what the, the analytics folks say, it's that, uh, Christian Dvorak, uh, can be a complimentary player. He's not a, a player who's going to drive plays. He needs to be with skilled players. He, you know, his, his, uh, he doesn't carry the puck well. He doesn't uh, create plays well, but he can be a complimentary player when, when placed with, with very skilled players. Um, and, 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 um, you know, his, he, he didn't have such a great season last year, uh, but maybe he can, can improve on that, uh, with the Canadians and, and in an environment, like he said, a team that is, is, uh, ready to win now, or at least, um, has, has a general manager who's focused on winning now, whereas in Arizona, it's, it's for the future where they're accumulating draft picks and young prospects, uh, to, to build a, a, a team for the future. And I think all of that is very fair. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and we wish Dvorak, uh, a, a lot of success this season. We certainly hope that, Absolutely. that he, um, you know, steps up to the plate and, and performs well and, and can at least fill in a little bit of the gap. Um, and of course, we also wish Kakanyemi very well in Carolina as 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 well. Um, as I said, Rick and Chris G are going to deep dive on all of this uh, and the Bergevin presser and the Dvorak presser 
in the uh, this Saturday's episode of Canadians Connection. So you don't want to miss that podcast. Make sure you're subscribed. Also, our our own Ben Dankyu will be back on Thursday with another episode of his Habs Fan Forum video segment on the All Habs YouTube channel. He'll be giving his reaction from a fan's perspective of all of this mess of the, that's happened this past week with the offer sheet uh, and letting Kakanyemi walk. So be on the lookout for that as well. Right now, however, we are going to go uh, welcome Patrick Williams into the studio uh, because in the next segment after this commercial break, he's going to be joining us for this week's AHL Hot Stove. So you don't want to miss that. We'll be back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today. Welcome back, fans, hockey fans. We're so glad you're here with us here at the Press Zone on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And hey, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report or just follow this press uh, this podcast at the Press Zone. And uh, we'll be sure to keep you, th- those two places are the best ways to keep fresh and updated on all of the news that we have coming out throughout the week, uh, particularly once uh, we get into hockey season and you've got game recaps coming out and uh, special articles and features and 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 news and so on and so forth that's going to be coming at you all the time. That's the best way to keep track of all of that at the AHL Report and at the Press Zone. Well, folks, it is that time. We promised it uh, to you at the top of the show. Patrick Williams is back with us today, a new special contributor here at Rocket Sports Media, the AHL Report, and the Press Zone, and, of course, uh, the AHL contributor for NHL.com. Patrick, how are you today, sir? Good. Happy to be back uh, after that uh, debut uh, voyage, if you will. <laughs> it was a great debut voyage, uh, very well-received, your your first uh 
AHL hot stove segment a couple of weeks ago. For folks, if you missed that, of course, be sure to go check that out. Uh, Patrick will be joining us uh, here on the Press Zone bi-weekly. So every other week he'll be here and we'll... He'll be bringing a new AHL hot stove segment for the three of us to kind of break apart and and chew the fat about a little bit and and uh, get a little, get a little opinionated here and there. That's, that's <laughs> never a bad thing. Um, and of course, make sure you're following Patrick on Twitter at p williams ahl and soon at the end of the month uh on the weeks that he's not appearing on the press zone you'll find some great uh feature article content that patrick will be writing at ahlreport.com so be on the lookout for that but for today uh the hot stove topic it is a hot one let me tell you uh it's uh, we're, we're officially calling it the viability of this ahl season and what does that mean well you know the ahl was on rocky ground last year there were uh, a a handful of teams that didn't even participate in the AHL season last year due to the financial constraints uh, and and risks uh, with the pandemic raging and a shortened season. Uh, and so this season, um, so far, it's setting up to be fingers crossed, toes crossed, uh, knock on wood, on a, on a path to normalcy. We have a season schedule. We have the divisions uh, back looking more like they normally do. Uh, ticket sales are going on and, and everyone seems to be gearing up for it. But um, what we're here to talk about today is really how important and pivotal this year is for the for the league and its individual teams from a financial standpoint uh, and how precarious this season will be if for some un- unfortunate reason uh, the pandemic really comes back in in some new unforeseen surge and and we start seeing shutdowns again so I guess Patrick let's start with just your thoughts on 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 that part of it uh, being, you know, how concerning is it that things are moving ahead, you know, full steam ahead right now, uh, but how precarious is that ledge that the league is sitting on uh, as we kind of, as, as you said before the show, you know, we're 40 some days away from opening night. Well, I thought two words you used there really captured it. Um, pivotal, absolutely. And precarious. Uh, and that's uh, pivotal is the long-term uh, view Precarious is where we're at right now, the more kind of short to midterm uh, view of, of the landscape and and where this is going. And um, the HL managed to get through last season in one piece. It, it wasn't easy. I, I, I think I think some sometimes people are perhaps underestimating the, the exact challenges that teams are facing. Um, taking on uh, that challenge uh, largely at the behest of the NHL. Quite frankly, um, there was for most for the most part no real benefit for the AHL to play last season, um, you know, in terms of selling tickets and, and 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 making a business of it. It was simply to keep the NHL happy and to satisfy what the NHL needed. But uh, with that said, um, this season is absolutely uh, crucial. Uh, you you can't take another season like you had last season, mm-hmm. where I mean you're. Not only not bringing in your revenue, you're taking on significant costs uh, in terms of testing, in terms of the extra, you know, different protocols, uh, the different sort of uh, travel arrangements you have to make uh, in certain cases. Um, and the answer you had through last year, uh, you know, if you had you asked me this two years ago, do I think the AHL could survive going through a year with no revenue uh, for all intents and purposes? I would have said no way. And yet they managed to make it work somehow. 
to try to to try to duplicate that again, I think uh, you know. Yeah, that would be extremely an extremely tall order. So um, that's kind of what's driving um, this this almost player bust mentality um, that you have to play this year. I mean, if it's at all possible, if if the the wider world is is in a position at all to make that happen. So with that said now you have to try to actually put the, those pieces all together and uh that's where you know, a lot of the, the details get really murky and messy and um we're in this kind of weird stage right now just uh you know as a society where you're seeing the numbers really spike up again uh um and and yet there's not a whole lot more anybody can do other than get vaccinated, but uh, obviously there, that's an issue. Um, so um, teams are, I think, trying their best to sort of walk those lines. We've seen uh, a number of teams now um, issue some some variation of a mandate, uh, you know, for, for vaccination or uh, some sort of uh, negative test results. Um, but that, that, again, that that's a difficult um, challenge to take on for teams because you, you need additional staff hired to, to handle all those people coming through the gates uh, on game night. Uh, you're also, of course, going to have a certain amount of opposition from from some of your fans uh, who that may extend to them not buying tickets. Uh, so there's just a lot, a lot in play right now. I think teams are trying to wait this out as long as possible and, and not yeah, kind of put themselves in a corner too quickly, but you know, as we you know, as we said earlier, I mean, we're forty days or so out from the start of the season. That's six weeks or so. So, at some point, the rubber has to hit the road, and uh, we'll have to see teams make a decision one way or the other. I think that um, yeah, you, say for for fans that uh, entered uh, watching AHL hockey last year, uh, this. What we saw wasn't wasn't regular, wasn't usual, and and this this year should be back to the original mandate. I think the cha- the the mandate of the league even uh, changed last year. Call ups from the AHL were minimal um, mm-hmm. it, because each team, each NHL team, had uh, the taxi squad. Of course, those will be gone this year. Um, there was a shortened, a very shortened schedule last year. There were no, for the most part, there were no playoffs or no meaningful playoffs leading to a Calder Cup. There weren't fans in the building. The, the divisional lineup was was um, uh, changed and that will be back to normal this year. As I said, the taxi squads, those will be, be gone. There was a large influx of, of CHL players last year uh, and some of the um, AHL veterans went elsewhere. That should be back to, to normal. Um, it's 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 their their mission maybe is is uh, recaptured. Um, really, as you said last year, what was the advantage? It, it certainly offered some prospects. Uh, the AHL did a place to play, but but um, otherwise there. Th- the, the whole mandate of the, the league was changed. So that path to normalcy uh, will hopefully bring the AHL back in line with where they're supposed to. Uh, but as, as you both said, very volatile, very precarious. Um, and and this, this year, um, if, there is, 
is a full stop. I think that could be even more damaging than uh, when it stopped last time and we didn't really know what was going to happen next. Well, that's the thing, right? Like last season, you sort of had the specter of the vaccine coming coming on board and um, the sense that, okay, if you could get to that point when the vaccination really starts, uh, you know, in full, then that should get us all out of this situation, right? And we should, in theory, return to normal. Well, we kind of have it, we kind of have it. And that's, that's, I think, where teams are finding themselves in that in that awkward spot where uh, you know to some extent life is normal but there's still this big cloud hanging over everything and this I think we're all a little bit rattled obviously you know after the last 18 months of uh, waiting for the other shoe to drop and uh, the sense that uh, you know this could go sideways quite easily once again and, and then what and because we don't really have another we don't have another magic bullet right. waiting right. necessarily in, in terms of like, you know, where we did last year with the vaccine uh, that, you know, could be a real, you know, real game changer. Now it's sort of like, well, if this goes sideways, then what? What do we do then? Uh, there's not a whole lot more you can do at this point other than and hope that the vaccination rates go up. But that doesn't seem like it's happening at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's a very... I think it's a very touch-and-go situation for a lot of teams. And, you know, remember, too, you know, this is a, a league that straddles uh, two countries, um, you know, is coast-to-coast coast in both countries for the most part. And um, there's wildly different uh, uh, situations in terms of uh, you know, number of cases in different places. So, um, yeah, this is just a, a real, real complicated situation. Unfortunately for the American Hockey League and for President Scott Halston, it's looking like it's quite possible that this will be another season of managing a pandemic rather than doing what he was brought in to do, which is to take over from Dave Andrews, implement some of his own ideas, his own agenda. Uh, now this is going to be more of a caretaker position. And, uh, you know, that's just another year that you're not, necessarily able to move forward. And, and I think that's a tough spot for the lead right now. Well, and the, you know, last year was exceptionally difficult for, for the hockey world in general, but particularly, you know, the AHL um, financially took a big hit. Um, there are plenty of teams in around the league that uh, have a long ways to go to recover from the financial hit that they took last year. Um, and I know, you know, it's it's easy to get caught up in the excitement of, oh, tickets are on sale and, oh, there's promotional schedules out and, um, you know, talking about opening night coming soon and all of those kinds of things, but all of the all of the the factors that are lurking are in the in the shadows are things like, um, restrictions for attendance let's you know mm -hmm. you've got uh we already know that the montreal canadians have confirmed uh that they according to for for uh the quebec health ministry have already received confirmation that attendance will be capped for montreal's nhl games at 7500 uh fans in attendance in the bell center uh we don't know yet for ahl teams um which uh, 
local governments are going to put those similar types of uh, attendance restrictions as far as capacity. Um, there's, you know, a handful, four or five AHL teams that have come out with attendance policies in terms of requiring either a COVID vaccination card or a negative, a recent negative test. Uh, there will be state to state varying mask mandates or requirements. Um, then, of course, you have fans, whether they feel, even if they're fully vaccinated, do they feel uh, safe, uh, even if they're masked, going out and being amongst other people in an indoor environment? There are, you know, of course, there's concerns with the Delta variant and breakthrough cases are happening more and more frequently. So you're going to have fans that have that hesitancy. On the flip side of that, you're going to have fans and potentially even staff or players um, who due to medical reasons, uh, can't be vaccinated. There's a, an associate coach of uh, the Sharks organization just had to step down because he's medically unable to receive any of the vaccinations that are currently on the market. Um, so then, you know, we t- we're talking about, you mentioned that these the league goes across two different countries. There's cross-border policies Will any of those change uh, throughout the year as far as travel back and forth for teams? Um, There are a lot of factors here in terms of things that directly impact the amount of tickets available for a night. And of those tickets that are available, is it a full house? And even if it's a full house or not, do these teams have the ability to sell every ticket that they have available every single night and 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 what happens if there's a pause or a shutdown or there's significant drop off in attendance um there's just so many question marks in in the weeks and months ahead for every one of these front offices and that's the issue i mean this is a tough business in the best of times i mean we we know that i mean especially the first half of the year is a lot of times you're up against the NFL, uh, in the states with, with college football, you know things like that. So that that that's a battle. Now you have this whole other situation piled on top of it, and uh, you're trying to sell tickets. And you know, like you said, um, there will be a certain segment of fans that aren't comfortable uh, with the idea of being in an arena indoors, um, uh, vaccinated or not. I mean, that that's I think the other thing too. I, Maybe we were incorrect in our perception last year, but there was a sense more that if you died the vac- vaccine, that you were good to go, right? Like, mm-hmm. and uh, that you could kind of frolic about with no issues. And now it's like, well, you're better off than, than, than not having it. But like you said, there's still the potential for breakthrough cases. So I think that is something that hangs over at least some people's heads. Um, in the sense of how do you manage this on, on a personal basis? And, you know, in certain markets, uh, the fan base definitely skews older. So that, that's a factor. Um, mm-hmm. This is also a league that, that caters to families and kids, you know. So kids under 12 right now have no uh, opportunity to be vaccinated, even if they want to be or if their parents want them to be. So, um they're in school, um, so that's that, that's a complicated issue. So you know the league's kind of getting hit on, on multiple fronts here, and you know once again, I mean, the league. I mean, full credit to how they how they came through last season. I mean, frankly, I mean it was it was amazing um, how well 
they relatively came through it. But, you know, this is just one more test and, you know, just trying to get back up on your feet now. And you're still taking um, taking on all these uh, these issues. And it's just, you know, at a certain point, it's, you know, it's just a lot for any lead to handle, especially a lead that, you know, definitely runs uh, a, a lean operation and uh, by necessity. And now you're trying to take on all these other additional roles. I mean, you know, every time, every time you add a new protocol, that that's that's more manpower that you you need, right? In terms of actually implement that. So, if you're doing vaccine checks at the front gate uh, for tickets, well, that's people you have to hire uh, to sit there and, and sift through that, you know, with each fan. So, if you have six thousand fans coming in that night, that's X number of staff that you have to hire in addition to what you already have sort of make that uh, procedure run as smoothly as possible. So there's just a lot, lot coming at the league and the individual teams. And, uh, you know, this was such a theme last year. There's no real playbook. I mean, there was less of a playbook last year, but uh, in some ways um, that playbook is now have to, has kind of be an updated version of how do you manage this now with, with larger numbers of fans and this new Delta variant uh, that's hanging around that uh, seems pretty stubborn and uh, doesn't seem like it wants to go away anytime soon. And the other variant that's uh, up and coming, the Mu variant, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, reportedly uh, vaccine resistant, uh, yeah. Variant. So all of these unknowns, all of these twists and turns, uh, it's very difficult for, uh, as you described, them, lean organizations to to plan. Uh, there's enormous pressure on AHL franchises who are, you know, some are break even at best, and and they have all of these extra costs to to operate the franchise. They have diminished revenue opportunities. Um, and 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 are doing so with a, 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 a most for the most part a much smaller staff and and they're already you know you, you, we already admire uh, the people in the front office for the AHL uh, franchises they're they you know they're they're very lean operations they work hard they're creative they uh, each of them tends to wear many hats and and you look at uh, I had to look through the promotional schedules. Uh, for each of the team, and and they're having to be very creative to try and attract fans, and and you have the San Diego uh, Gulls that are going to have six new specialty jerseys for for the year. Uh, they're having tailgate parties. Uh, the Ontario Rain, they're going to have nine new uh, specialty jerseys for the the season. Uh, these people are having to, um, you know, to be very creative, and and. Um, they're, they're some of the best people in, in, in hockey, the, the ones that, that we've met that work in these front offices. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're the heart and soul of this league. I mean, you know, across all 31 markets and then certainly obviously the, the head office in Springfield, um, keeping this whole thing on track year in and year out. And, um, and that's when everything's more or less running smoothly and, and you're not up against uh, this pandemic. So uh, I think that's a great point about the jerseys. I think teams, you're going to see all sorts of creative uh, ways to tweak out a little bit more revenue here or there or um, anything you can do. I mean, just to uh, make up some of the difference from last season where, uh, you know, for so many teams, um, not only did they not bring in revenue, they, they took 
significant uh, financial hits. I mean, testing costs uh, last season were, uh, you know, substantial. And I think that's putting it kindly. And, um, you know, that's, uh, as we said before this segment, uh, that's something where you don't really have anything to show for it in terms of, uh, you know, that you're building long term. I mean, you're not, you know, you're spending that kind of money and you're not getting anything for it beyond what you hope will be uh, a lot of negative tests and safety. So, um, which is great, but it's, it's, it's money that's, um, that is spent that is not being directed towards something else more long-term. So, um, the yeah, teams are facing a lot of, a uh, lot of kind of incoming pressures and a lot of different, uh, areas of their operation that, uh, um, they've never had to face before. Now you're facing that in addition to all the standard stuff of trying to get people to come out on a, on a, on a Wednesday night in the middle of winter time when the weather's not great and the kids at school the next day. And, um, and the team, you know, the, the home team's in fifth place. Um, so, um, those are not easy, um, challenges, uh, for any front office and you know, least of all, when you have, all this on top of it. So um, it's a situation where uh, front office people, I mean, they are certainly earning their money uh, this year uh, in terms of what they're being asked to do and uh, new creative ways of generating revenue uh, that they're coming up with. We mentioned a little earlier in this segment um, that there are a handful, maybe four or five uh, AHL teams who have already announced um, attendance policies in terms of vaccination requirements or negative test requirements and so on. Um, Syracuse, I believe, being the first to jump out there and do that. Um, how much, I guess, my question for, for you, Patrick, is um, is there any indication as to whether or not the league is going to put out its own league-wide mandate? Are they going to leave it up to the discretion of individual teams? And And now that there's a handful of them who have put out a policy, how many others, do, do you anticipate that this will be something we'll see each team come out with its own policy or or will this kind of be hit or miss here and there? Well, that's a, that's the challenge, right? Because you're in 31 markets, two countries, uh, various states and provinces and uh, localities also um, where there can be some fairly significant variation in terms of uh, government mandates and rules uh, that teams have to follow um, above and beyond anything the league comes up with. So um, from what I understand, I think the league will um, sort of have some uh, you know, kind of standard framework of like, all right, you have to be doing this, this, and this. Uh, it can't be a complete free-for-all. Um, but um, with the ability to sort of tailor it to your individual markets, your fan base, et cetera. So, um, but the challenge with that too is just this thing keeps changing really fast. I mean, you know, when you think back two months ago um, to July and in the States, uh, for example, um, things were looking really positive. I mean, the case... The caseload got down to about 2,000 a day uh, for a while. And uh, now, obviously, that number is um, skyrocketed. But um, so things can shift fairly quickly um, and fairly dramatically. And so the policy you come up with in September or October, you know, could be very outdated for better or for worse by December. I mean, maybe. 
hey, maybe we all catch a break and by December this thing is is uh, come down and uh, things are uh, back on the upswing. It's also quite possible that this could get worse before it gets better. So, uh, you know, now you're hearing more and more, uh, you know, people in that, you know, in the medical field speaking of this more of a, you know, endemic that this is going to really be hanging around for a while. Maybe not uh, on a as severe basis uh, as it was at the worst uh, points, but just something that this is not going away as much as we hope to. And, you know, I think back to March 2020 and they, you know, sort of the more, I guess, pessimistic, uh, pro, you know, prognostications were that this thing would um, probably go to about the fall of uh, 2021. But by then it should be it should be gone and out of our hair. And uh, I remember thinking at the time, oh, my God, it's going to be 18 months of this. Um <laughs> Here we are, fall of 2021 coming upon us, and um, we're better than we were. But uh, you know, this thing is still a part of day-to-day life uh, for a lot of people. And I mean, you have to take it seriously. Like you know, I mean, you can't just can't just blow it off and pretend it doesn't exist. It's there, and it's very real. And um, as much as all of us would like to to move on from it, it's still. It's still there and it's still hanging uh, around us. So um, I guess the next step is to, to try to not make it worse, you know, and then hopefully eventually you can, can get through this. But uh, for right now, this is just, uh, you know, obviously this goes far beyond uh, the American Hockey League or, you know, any individual team or their, even the sport of hockey. Uh, this has got wide, wide implications across really all segments of society and, um, but, uh, you know, in the American Hockey League, you know, in their corner of the world, um, all those forces are coming into play here. And, um, unfortunately, you know, as you know, any business wants to control as much as it can control and, and reduce uncertainty as much as possible, but you can't do that. Right. Because this is, um, this is just beyond your control and you're, tr- you're, you're playing from behind and, you're reacting to what's being dealt to you rather than um, necessarily being able to, to handle things, uh, you know, on your own terms. So uh, this is a real challenge for teams. And, um, you know, I think, unfortunately, this is going to probably be the theme of this season, you know, in a lot of ways that, uh, you know, even if, you know, you're able to play a full season under an outfit, and we all hope that's the case, that, you know, this is all still – Unfortunately, it'll be kind of, you know, in our hair for quite some time to come. Well, and and as you say, things are, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what the upcoming months hold. Um, the medicine even and the science keeps changing. There's, there's a mm-hmm. real potential that um, a, a third shot, a booster may be needed uh, in, in the relatively short term. And then what does that do to... Uh, attendance protocols and amendments that need to be made to it's it's as you say it's gonna I think it's gonna be very fluid um so what is you know I guess kind of as a as a as a final question kind of the the overarching question is just how crucial is is it for this season to be you know, a majority successful for, for the AHL and its viability moving forward? Um, about as essential as, as it gets, um, uh, you know, you, you, you can scale operations back, uh, 
only up to, you know, such a point at some point you, you have to start bringing in revenue and, um, if you're going to be a viable operation and if you're going to sustain and maintain everything that you've built for the past 80 plus years and, uh, you know, the league, you know, this is, this is the theme I always seem to come back to that the irony or whatever the word you want to use of this situation is that if you, if you go back to January, 2020 at the all-star game in Ontario, California, I would say the leaders was in as good a place as it had ever been. Uh, there was no major fires. Um, I remember us sitting there at the uh, state of the lead address with 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 uh, Dave Andrews at the time, and um, there wasn't a whole lot to discuss. And that was the first time I had ever <laughs> uh, been a part of that. I mean, because you know, most years uh, there's a, a long, long laundry list of, of items that uh, um, have to be dealt with and, and are, are you know varying degrees of uh, fires that have to be put out. And um, it was pretty calm. I mean, that, that was the, the irony uh, that the league was in such a great place. And six weeks after that happened, the roof caved in, so to speak, not only on the league, but on uh, the world at large. And um, for the most part, they've uh, been able to come through it relatively unscathed. Um, you know, obviously Binghamton, lost their franchise this past year, but, uh, you know, they had had some uh, challenges already. Um, but, uh, do you want to, you want to test that again? Do you want to try to push your luck a second year? That's I think where the league finds itself at where you're really playing with fire at a certain point where if you're trying to get through a whole nother year, uh, significantly reduced revenue or no revenue, uh, God forbid, um, so um, I don't think anybody anywhere in or around the league wants to see that situation play out. Uh, so, I, but, you know, this is going to be a case where Scott Halston and the, and the league as a whole, the, all 31 clubs, their front offices, um, fans are going to have to buy in. Players are going to have to buy in. Players were great last year. Um, they, by and large, did what they had to do last year, but... You have to do that again this year. And now the fans have to do their part uh, as well in terms of, uh, you know, following certain protocols if that's what has to be done. Uh, and that's, I think, what will ultimately get the league through this uh, season um, in good shape and uh, ready to really start to tackle things moving forward. But you're right. It is playing with fire. It is it is uh, a, a really crucial season for the AHL. Um, because all of this, we, we felt all of this is temporary, uh, even though that temporary, as you said, has, has carried on for 18 months. Um, but if it goes on, if, if the, the league isn't return, able to return to some sense of normal, uh, this year, if there is some sort of full stop, if there is a, an unexpected turn, uh, then that's when the permanent permanent effects start happening. This is a mm -hmm. this is an entertainment business, and um, and if it, you know, it's one thing if it affects um, uh, franchises uh, financially and they aren't able able to continue. That's a, that's one aspect that can happen this year. The other aspect is there can be 
a permanent effect in in behavioral patterns and how fans consume their uh, consume their and spend consume their entertainment and spend their entertainment dollars. Um, and if if uh, they're trained uh, to to deal with the league differently, rather than to come out to, to buildings, um, and and that that source of gate revenue is 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 changed significantly, uh, then that's going to that's really going to change the mandate of, of the AHL. Um, so yeah, it's crucial for everybody to buy in, as you said, whether it's the, the franchises, whether it's the players and the fans that everybody needs to do their part. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Just in, um, uh, like you said, uh, behavioral patterns. I mean, it's, it's tough to get people off their couch these days. I mean, <laughs> not just in the American hockey, you really, even in the major league sports, uh, a lot of people, you know, it's a lot easier to, to sit, you know, uh, on a weeknight, stay at home, um, put on Netflix or whatever, uh, or hang out on social media and argue with people than it is to uh, <laughs> pack up the family and uh, go to the game and buy tickets and, and everything that comes with that and get the kids back home in time for, you know, for bed, for school, all that. And um, it's tough, right? It's tough to get people to do that. And um, the longer you have people out of that habit, um, the harder it is to get them in back into that habit. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a real, it's a real issue uh, for teams. And I think that is a big part of why you're seeing a lot of this creative uh, marketing and uh, different initiatives to, to entice people to come out as much as possible. And, uh, and to say nothing, obviously of uh, the financial effects, a lot of people have been through in the last 18 months that uh, people have lost jobs or they, they, perhaps at the very least had uh, some real financial uncertainty uh, with their situations. So it, with that being the case, um, that's going to put a damper on anybody's uh, desire and or ability to, uh, you know, go um, walk up to the uh, box office and, and put money down for tickets. So um, those are a lot of, yeah, those are major factors for fans and for teams uh, that, that, that behavioral psychology and, you know, uh, that, uh, habit forming, uh, for good or bad, um, that that's uh, everybody is, is subject to in one way or another. Well, I think the uh, the one thing that we can agree on is that there's a lot of uncertainty. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think we can all also agree that uh, despite all of the uncertainty, despite the anxiety surrounding it, and and despite how critical this season is, it's exciting that at least um, at, Rick was the one that mentioned this this phrase before the show that. It's exciting that the AHL is currently on a path to normalcy, to a to kicking off the season uh, the way it's supposed to, um, and uh, it's just our our hope and fingers stay crossed that uh, everyone stays healthy and and that the the league stays healthy um, moving forward through this season and beyond. Um, Patrick, uh, it's exciting having you on the team. I can't, uh, on on behalf of all of us here at Rocket Sports, we're so glad to have you. Uh, I know our our listeners are are very much enjoying uh, hearing from you regularly. Um, this is a, this was a great topic, uh, certainly very timely, and uh, we will. We will be back in two weeks with another AHL hot stove with Patrick Williams. Uh, again, find him at P Williams AHL. And uh, Rick, I think this was a. This was a great topic to break down. 
It's it's interesting because yeah we're certainly glad to have uh, Patrick as part of the Rocket Sports team but uh, these these uh, AHL hot stove conversations discussions every two weeks um, you know it's it's uh, the kind of topics that we don't we don't prepare extensively uh, in terms of uh, how we communicate our ideas to each other but. Uh, each of us, these are, are issues that we've each thought about. They're on our minds. We've thought about a lot. And uh, it's it's interesting to, to have these kind of discussions where we're able to feed off each other and and uh, and share our ideas and and I, I I think they're really valuable for fans and and uh, they're things that you know in their own markets uh, fans are thinking about and and we hope to hear from you as you listen to these discussions and respond to them and, and let us know what it means to you and your AHL franchise. And Patrick, thanks so much for being here uh, again this week. And uh, we can't wait till you're back again on the press zone. Well, thank you. Uh, fun as always. <laughs> Uh, well, Rick, it's 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 always really fun when Patrick joins us. I think we could go on and on and on. Uh, there's so many deep little rabbit holes that we can dive down into, but it was uh, it was great to have Patrick back on the show today. Absolutely. And if you want to react to the, the segment, reach out to us on social media. Uh, call our Rocket Sports uh, or text our Rocket Sports text line 5853-ROCKET and, and uh, share your, your thoughts with us. And if you want to be sure that you don't ever miss an episode of The Press Zone, if you're maybe new to the show, uh, we welcome you, first of all. Secondly, we just invite you to subscribe. Whatever uh, podcast player you're currently do- using to listen to this podcast, just take a look down, hit that subscribe button. Uh, we are on all of the major podcast platforms, and uh, we certainly don't ever want you to miss an episode of The Press Zone. Uh, beyond that, uh, we did mention this at the top of the show. Uh Applications are absolutely pouring in uh, from folks who are interested in joining either the AHL report team or the or the All Habs team, basically the Rocket Sports media team for this upcoming hockey season. If you would like to get in on that, we are still accepting applications. Uh, just head over to uh, ahlreport.com slash join dash our dash team and uh, or just go to ahlreport.com and look for the join our team article that's right there it gives you all the information and we certainly hope to hear from you uh, Rick this was a jam-packed show today terrific show <laughs> uh, and it's uh, you know it's really no longer the off season so each week we're going to be back of course with more and more information for you uh, here at the press zone we're so thankful for your listenership and we can't wait to talk to you again next Tuesday right here on the press zone on rocket sports radio click subscribe to never miss an episode of the press zone on rocket sports radio visit ahlreport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects